Welcome to the Deep Waters Podcast. We pray that Christ is at the beginning and end of all we do. May openness and peace mark our discussions. As we engage in conversations about the fresh move of God, may our hearts be drawn to unity. And in all things, may this shape us to look more like you, Jesus. Amen. So grab a warm beverage. I've got coffee today. We're also talking about breaking bread today, so grab a piece of bread too, whatever kind you want. A little English muffin, sourdough. Just get your bread and your tea and enjoy the Deep Waters Podcast. Welcome to the Deep Waters Podcast. I'm Jace. I'm Benjamin. And we are talking about feasting today on podcast number 10. That's right. This is the third and final episode we'll have in this little mini series on fasting and feasting. Yeah. And we're just going to spend the whole next chunk of time talking about what it means to feast as a spiritual discipline. Yes. So if you haven't heard the first two parts, go ahead and scroll back up to a couple weeks ago <laughs> where we kind of did an overview of feasting and fasting and the season that we are in as Riverhouse Church, which is the new year and a 21-day feast we've been called to. Amen. What does that include, this yeah, feast? Yeah, this feast, according to Pastor Jordan, it includes taking communion together with whomever you might be with every evening, or maybe it's just yourself if you happen to be single yeah, and, absolutely. and eating a meal by yourself in the evening, but breaking bread, drinking of the cup and inviting Jesus to be in your midst. Um, and the Bible verse around it, if you want to hear us unpack that, it's the first episode of this series, but the Bible verse around it is where other disciples, disciples of John the Baptist, I mm-hmm. think approach Jesus yeah. and they say, Hey, the disciples of John and the Pharisees all fast how come your disciples don't fast? And Jesus says, well, you wouldn't fast when the bridegroom is present. And so I am here. We're not going to fast because the party is here, basically. (laughs) You know, like the one who's redeeming all things is here. There's no reason to do an act that looks like mourning. Totally. Um, But there will be a day when you do fast. And Jesus is talking about his crucifixion and when he isn't with us bodily anymore. So anyway, that has inspired us to think about how Jesus is actually in our midst as a church. Often we have prayed, Lord Jesus, come be with us. Maranatha means come Lord. And um, we've received a few prophetic words where Jesus is telling us to stop asking for him to come because he's already here. And instead we're just meant to celebrate his presence with us. So Mm -hmm. that's what the feast is all about. Yeah. And we've touched on so far that, feasting and fasting are kind of two sides of the same coin in a way because they revolve around food and kind of a spiritual practice of, of uh, either not uh, partaking in food or partaking in food with other people and Christ as in with like the elements of communion. Mm. Um, We've also one, one thing we've also been called to as a church is to feast on the word during these 21 days. And that was one of the initial um, charges to the church was to read 10 chapters of the Bible in these first 21 days. What's the date today? Mm, 18th. Wow. Three more days. Uh, in real time, we'll release this on the 20th. Oh, right. Th- yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. It'll yeah. be one more day 
of this 21 day feast. Wow. There you have it. Is that right? I think so. Yeah. And like the, that Sunday uh-huh. is kind of the end of that time. Right. I didn't even realize that. Yeah. It snuck up on us. I'm just hoping we we're going to do this forever. I mean, we can, that's mm-hmm. what we'll talk about. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> wow. <laughs> perfect. Good. Good. I teed that one up perfectly. <laughs> Thank you. So if you're listening to this podcast after January 21st of 2023, congratulations. It still applies to you. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible. Um, we talked a lot about kind of what fasting is last week, which I think for a lot of people, there's, we kind of set up a lot of kind of like, this is what fasting is. This is what fasting isn't. It's not, um, uh, what's the word? Not doing something. Abstaining. It's not abstaining or abstinence or abstinence. It's not abstaining from Instagram or Mm -hmm. abstaining from sugar. It's a basic black and white, no food or sometimes no food and water. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did this not out of a place. We like describe these things, not a place of legalism, right. but, but just to show what has been the normal in the church throughout church history. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Am I saying that right? Oh yeah. Yeah. And if we didn't make it clear last week in our podcast, I just want to say it again now that abstaining from sugar choosing to not not eat sugar or choosing to not drink soda is a really good thing that can also be a discipline Mm -hmm. um just as the church has defined the word fast that doesn't technically qualify as a fast which was our point last week but um if you still want to say i'm fasting social media even though as we said that's not maybe the right use of the word that's okay yeah we're really Mm -hmm. not trying to like split hairs here totally um And we also want to recognize that all of these spiritual disciplines can trend towards legalism if they're approached with a certain heart. Like a heart of performance or striving, you know? Exactly. That's well said. Yeah. Or like, I need to, yeah, I need to prove myself. Um, Rather, I think fasting and feasting alike can be an invitation to encountering the Lord in a new, fresh way. And that's not hopefully legalistic. Mm. Hopefully it's actually rejuvenating. Um, I'm thinking about how I'm a runner. Mm -hmm. I want to be the kind of person that runs a lot and is healthy though. I have a hard time doing it and keeping myself running every day unless I'm training for something. And, Mm -hmm. um, you could say that when I'm in the middle of training for something and I'm running six days a week and 35 or 40 miles a week, that sounds like legalistic in the way that I'm approaching my athleticism. Uh, and you could say that, and you could also say that I'm running because it brings me joy. Yeah. It, it, it fires endorphins and it brings me life and my body is healthier and I feel better as a result of it. And, um, my posture of heart is hopefully, mm-hmm. though sometimes one of dread when I wake up early to go for a <laughs> 6am run. Yeah. Um, hopefully it's enjoyment. Mm-hmm. Like I'm appreciating the discipline of running And I think the same kind of thing could be applied to these other spiritual disciplines, whether it's reading scripture or fasting. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. We want, we want you to pursue them out of the desire to be closer to God, which I feel like these, these disciplines have been proven throughout the Bible. And like, so what God says and throughout history to be good avenues of deeper connection with the Lord. And so yeah, they can be legal. Like be, reading your Bible can be legalistic. Going to prayer can be legalistic, but um, it's the heart that 
that um, prevents legalism, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. Um, it's just like, I want to, well, I want to do these out of just love for God, not because I have to, or out of shame or guilt or cause someone else is doing them. That's beautiful. Yeah. No one's forcing anyone to fast, but it is an invitation. Um, so I think legalism maybe could be a fun conversation where we could take the whole podcast to just talk about it. Totally. Um, but I think for now we'll just table that as a disclaimer mm-hmm. and say, when we talk about spiritual disciplines, we're not trying to encourage legalism. We're just trying to uh, encourage things that have been encouraged through scripture and the history of the church in order to bring us closer to the life that is the way of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that's our goal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, in we touched on this, I think, in the like, what does it mean to be a Christian podcast? Mm-hmm. Like, what are the, the half twos? Yeah. You know, when to fall in Christ. And it's like... Uh, to claim him as your Lord and Savior, Savior, and Amen. The, yeah, that's pretty <laughs> much it, you know. And not like, not follow any other gods. And it's like there's there's not a lot of have tos around the disciplines mm-hmm. of Jesus. But like any relationship, it's going to take effort to deepen to deepen that connection. I think that's the point that we want to get across. That's good. That's good. Okay. So with that, should we dive into feasting? Yeah, feasting. I'm excited for this. <laughs> yeah. I wish we, we should have had bread here so we could break it together. Oh, we should have. Dang. Well, we have tea and coffee and we lit some candles. It does look a little more celebratory with the candles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like that. We were listening to music just a minute ago and mm-hmm. dancing, <clears throat> which is a form of celebration. Yeah. So. It kind of, honestly, sometimes you have to do something in the physical realm to like get yourself there in the spiritual realm. I feel like we've talked about that at church. Sometimes it's like, I might not want to worship right now, but if I take the posture of a worshiper, I might not want to pray right now, but if I take the posture of a prayer, pray Mm. someone who prays, Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) like it will help like get to that point, you know? And so like, I'm not in the mood to celebrate right now. It's kind of how I entered our podcast time. I've thrown some great music and dance a little bit and it just changes the environment <laughs> change, like changed my heart rate and it like cleared my mind. And I'm like, Oh, I feel so much more uh, joyful. And there's like a levity to this conversation now that wasn't there before. So yeah, I mean, wow, if you don't want to talk about celebration, put on your favorite song, dance a little bit and then come back to this podcast That's right. and leave us a comment at the end. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, please. Please review this, co- please just review this podcast at the end. <laughs> if you're in a good mood. <laughs> Um, so when I'm thinking about the Old Testament, maybe mm-hmm. the Bible in general, but especially the Old Testament, typically joy and celebration aren't what come to my mind. Totally, yeah. <laughs> what do you think comes to mind for you when you think about the Old Testament? Exile and sadness. <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> yeah, maybe like the law, uh, yeah. speaking of legalism. Totally. Like, the law, and it's like just mm-hmm. there's all these rules, there's all these um, ways to repent and to make up with sacrifices. And it just doesn't have a lot of, uh, party atmosphere. (laughs) It really doesn't. Uh, though I will say there's more to it than meets the eye. Mm -hmm. If that's your assumption and you're listening and you agree with that perspective of the old Testament, I just want to zoom in to this one part in the law. Did you know there were 613 laws in the old Testament? Gross. It's a lot. Yeah. Um, and just kidding. That's not gross. It's, <laughs> it's the word of God. I'm it's actually wonderful. Don't come after me. <laughs> it's just a joke. <laughs> Thank you Lord for each one. Yes. Honestly, a gift. Um, this, w- I just want to zoom in on Deuteronomy 14, 
I don't know whether this is a text that's particularly familiar to our listeners, but if it is, well done. Um, Yeah, actually, Jace, would you read it for us? Yeah, absolutely. I love this. I did not know this was in the Bible until um, (laughs) I heard a teaching on feasting. I'm like, this is so good. Why don't we like quote this? this passage more. Right. And maybe just for context, there are other things around it that are commands of God to feast or to celebrate. Tithing is kind of wrapped up in this section of scripture, um, how to offer sacrifices. So anyway, it's in a block of law that looks like that. Yeah. And like how, yeah, how this affects your life. Mm-hmm. Um, you shall tithe all the yield of your seed that comes from the field year by year And before the Lord your God, in the place that he will choose to make his name dwell there, you shall eat the tithe of your grain and of your wine and of your oil and the firstborn of your herd and flock, that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. And if there was, and if the way is too long for you so that you cannot, so you're not able to carry the tithe, like all that you've gathered throughout the year is what it's meaning. Um, When the Lord your God blesses you, because the place is too far from you, which the Lord, which the Lord your God chooses to set his name there, then you shall turn it into money and bind up the money in your hand and go to the place that the Lord your God chooses and spend the money for whatever you desire, oxen or sheep or wine or strong drink, whatever your appetite craves, and you shall eat there before the Lord your God and rejoice, you and your household. You shall not neglect the Levite who is within your towns, for he has no portion or inheritance with you. Wow. In other words, collect 10% of what you've earned this past year and take it with you to Jerusalem and eat it and celebrate with your family and friends. Mm-hmm. And if and if you have... If, if your flock is too large and your fields produced too much, and you cannot carry it with you to Jerusalem, exchange it for money and then just have a spending spree in Jerusalem <laughs> Yeah, in the a, name of God. It says purchase whatever your appetite craves in this translation or whatever you desire in another translation. That's not language you normally hear in the Bible, <laughs> I feel like. No, it's not. Uh, because... Often you think appetite, craving, desire. You're thinking about temptation or yeah. sin, and this or like un un what do we are un something desires. Oh, disordered week. desires. Our disorders desires. Yeah, these are the ordered desires that you're gonna mm-hmm. play off of here. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because it's not encouraging someone to like go um, into debauchery yeah. or to overeat or to do something mm-hmm. reckless. Cause but, the, I just to say like this, this verse is within all the other verses saying to not do that, you know, right. To not over drink, to not overeat, to not be wasteful with your money. Mm. But like the Lord says, this is a way in the name of me, in the name of the Lord to not be <laughs> wasteful with your money. And it should wow. is, you should celebrate and this annual rejoice fest A rejoice fest. <laughs> Isn't that fun? Yeah, that's so good. <laughs> it's like God is actually commanding you to save your money so that you can party with it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if party is exactly what the biblical author would say, but celebrate with it. Uh, celebrate with mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And uh, in our conversation just before we started recording, Jace was pointing out how we do this as Riverhouse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like we've we've decided in the last year to have these like all church dinners after Sunday throughout the year. And I mean, I hope it's not a surprise. We've used tithe money to buy pizza 
so that we can all eat together and fellowship and and commune with one another and um and even with like our most recent um dance and declare event uh benji pointed out like we're we're spending money on on dj equipment and fun lights like that's what we're using all that we've gathered throughout the year to come together and have fun and worship god through dance and celebration and food and we come together and bring food together it's very it's honestly a very biblical picture mm-hmm. of even like old testament rhythms and holidays right which and is so fun in a way you might start to think like oh that's wasteful all of our tithe money should be going to the poor and yet while we are we are taking care of the poor in mm-hmm. various ways not all of our money goes to pizza oh totally and I, I would like to say it's not 10% of the church's budget that goes to pizza <laughs> that's good we would have had much better pizza <laughs> if that was the case <laughs> wilder or something oh yeah but think about like if if i had saved 10% of my income wow for a party like with my family that'd be wild Wow. Like I'd get to spend $40 on a party. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, <laughs> sorry, that was a, that was a, that dumb was great. Um, I liked it. But like, we don't think that way, you know, it's like right. we set aside all this stuff and we save for these kinds of things, but we don't really save for parties. Like yeah. at least, it, I mean, Dave Ramsey never told me about that. Dave Ramsey never mentioned that. Like if you make, I don't know, let's say $50,000 a year. Yeah, Totally. 10% of that, five grand. Five you grand. set that aside to celebrate with your family and friends. That's wild. And not just to celebrate, but to celebrate the good things that God has given you with the Lord being present there. So notice they're going up to Jerusalem, the city mm-hmm. of God. So yeah. they're like celebrating in the Lord's presence. Uh, that's that's a holy kind of kingdom party that our world doesn't have much of a category for totally this is back in the day of a very almost 100 percent agrarian society right correct mm-hmm. and would this land kind of around harvest time is that what we're kind of assuming here oh i don't know that i mean i guess you'd assumption. have to harvest yeah there'd be something there to harvest out of the field mm-hmm. so i guess that kind of makes sense so it's kind of like yeah. a it is like thank you for all that all that has been provided mm-hmm. through this year's planting and through my, um, my cattle and sheep and all these things, like all that has come is because of you, Lord. Wow. What and we, we kind of say like all that I, all the money I earn is God's or whatever. Mm. They weren't earning paychecks, but in the same way, their wealth was found in their fields and cattle and oxen and stuff. And so in the same way we say, you know, my money is yours, Lord. This is them saying my fields and livelihood is yours and it's a celebration of gratitude with god Hmm. so we're pointing this out because celebration throughout church history has been called a discipline that christians are supposed to observe Hmm. um and maybe that strikes some of you as unusual to think of celebrating as a disciplinary act um But another Bible passage we could look to now flip into the New Testament when Jesus is on the scene in John chapter two, his very first sign that reveals his kingdom glory is a wedding, which is a kind of feast where they're celebrating the union of two people and he turns water into wine um, for the sake of that celebration. Mm -hmm. And it's at that celebration that John tells us that Jesus's glory is revealed and that his disciples believe him 
Hmm. Like there's something about the kingdom of God that's revealed at a wedding feast from water into wine. I think if all we do is view Jesus as a somber, serious, um, compassionate, worshipful man, like that all is true about him. Mm -hmm. Isaiah 53 prophesied that he was a man acquainted with sorrows and grief. Those things are true about him, Yeah, but they're not the only true things about him. Absolutely. More than sorrow and grief, our God is a God of joy. Sorrow and grief is his response to the brokenness of the world, but who he is essentially is a God of joy and love and peace. And, and so for Jesus to dance at a wedding makes great sense. Like he would have been having a good time and that's a vision of what the kingdom of God is to look like in a sad world. Totally. I I like what it, what John says about his, he revealed his glory um, through this act of feasting and celebration. And I think that's even a, a rebuttal I would give someone that says like, why are we spending money on pizza or a cookout mm. or all these things? It's like, well, this not only is just a celebration for, you know, fun's sake, this is revealing the Lord's glory in our midst, just as mm. like a Monday night prayer set does, yeah. but in a different way. And it's just a new side of God that we're experiencing. Yeah. It's just so much life with Jesus is not this single singularity or this, you know, couple things that we do. It is supposed to be our whole life. Yeah. It's all encompassing. Mm -hmm. And another thing, and we'll mention more about this later in the podcast too, is that the, the feasts and the celebrations of Jesus and the followers of Jesus are inclusive and they provide for everyone. Mm -hmm. There's this great line about the manna in Exodus. I I should have brought up the reference so I could quote it exactly, but it says something like those who collected a large amount of manna had nothing left over. And those who collected a little had, um, had no want. They had everything they needed, which is a way of saying that they would have shared with each other. Mm -hmm. Like if you're bringing a lot home, you're helping provide not only for yourself and your family's needs, but also the needs of the people around you that don't quite have enough so that everyone can share in the, the riches of God, yeah, the abundance totally. of God. And we see a picture of that in Acts chapter two. I'll just read this section is a familiar passage, I think, to our church because, mm-hmm. you know, it's the same chapter as Pentecost. And totally. We love Acts chapter two. <laughs> um This is talking about the early church just after Pentecost happens. It says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need and day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. So good. There's so much in there that we could unpack. I know that's like three podcasts right there. (laughs) But what I want to just point to is that food is mentioned three times in that. Mm-hmm. It's the only aspect of that little chunk that is 
reiterated three times. They're breaking bread. And then again, they're breaking bread home to home. And they're receiving their food with gladness and generous hearts. So um, another way to say this is breaking bread or eating a meal together was a very central part of what it meant to be in the Christian community in the early church. I think also in the context of the time of Jesus and even like the Last Supper that we read in the account of the Gospels, Jesus is saying, this is my body broken for you in the context of a meal like this, Mm. this, this communion, this, the bread on the table, the food here, the wine in the glasses, this is my body poured out, my blood poured out. Um, Mm. and so they would do, this was them practicing communion as well. Like this is, it's not just what they did because that they were just like, you know, a bunch of party animals or just love to be together. They're, they're actively choosing to participate in what they considered communion. Wow. And it's a, it's a whole meal mm-hmm. is what you're saying. It's yeah. like, it's not, Oh, get in a line and come snag a piece of bread and then dip it in the cup, which I don't want to make fun of that. No. I, it's a beautiful practice. What we do with the yeah. Lord's supper, but it, it is interesting to note that that's different than the yeah. early church would have observed communion. That, that practice, the solitary communion has just come through church history and is not bad. Like to have mm-hmm. those intimate moments with the Lord. Absolutely beautiful. Oh man. But even to acknowledge the origin of that as something that's so communal and festive and, um, uh, inclusive, like you said, mm-hmm. I think is important because I, I don't think we should forego this style of, I mean, what I would call church. Like yeah. this is, this is a part of church that we need to still include. Mm. Um, throughout church history, there's been many forms of even the, the church buildings that we worship in. Um, and they didn't have, you know, old malls to take over to make into big churches <laughs> back in the new early church days. Yeah. They had homes with tables and that that's, there wasn't rows of seating. You know, when Paul was preaching, they were around meals and together in circles, let's call that, you know, and we've slowly moved into lines throughout history Mm -hmm. and rows. And whether that was, you know, in the more uh, Catholic tradition where you're more focused on an altar and not a podium or now to where we're more focused on a podium and a stage, like it's still, it's moved away from this circle environment. And I mean, at least at river house, we're trying to bring this back with house churches. Like that's the goal. Right. That's even why we chose, uh, that's part of why we choose to call them house churches now. Mm-hmm. They used to be called revival groups, but the sense that church is happening in your house, around a table, you're gathering together. That's an essential part of what it means to follow Jesus day to day. And the early church, I just think it's kind of fun to say the early church called their weekly gatherings, the love feast. Incredible. <laughs> just <laughs> spectacular. <laughs> They're feasting together, mm-hmm. embracing one another in fellowship and um, enjoying the love of God with one another. Mm. What a communal experience. Uh, so th- they wouldn't have had services with a preacher who preached a sermon and a worship song. In fact, there's some early church writing that tells us their services weren't services. They were meals. 
and people would stand up during the meal and share what they felt like the Lord was sharing with them to share. So like a prophecy, maybe tongues would then be interpreted or a person would stand up and would sing one of the Psalms or uh, Tertullian, one of the early church authors writes that one of the early church fathers wrote that um, sometimes people would sing a hymn that they had written themselves. Incredible. Just like stand up at the dinner, mm-hmm. the love feast and say, Hey, I've been working on this song to present my like love to Jesus. I'd like to sing it for you. <laughs> and that was a common thing. Wow. Uh, like, what an interesting and different expression of the weekly gathering of Christians than what we see today. Not again, that what we do is bad. Yeah. But I think there's something to be learned here. Totally. I mean, it's my opinion that I think what we do now, if it's only on a Sunday evening or a Sunday morning, is incomplete. Right. Without something happening in community, um, on a smaller scale, um, in a home, or, you know, just as a community. I think that's a crucial part of the church that um, we have kind of lost in the American church over time. Right. It's very possible for you to attend a church, slide in a little bit late, sit in the back row, worship, listen to the podcast or to the podcast, listen to the sermon (laughs) and then roll out without talking to anyone. Mm -hmm. It's a very popular or I I mean, a a very possible thing to do. Yeah. A lot harder to do that if you're walking into a meal with 15 people and they're feeding you and sharing the same bread with you and you're just talking about life. Mm Mm-hmm. There's um, not a back row at a table, you know? <laughs> wow. I think that's the title of our podcast. I like that. No, that's really good. <laughs> it's like, yeah, there, there is a, um, uh, equality that yeah. a table brings. Yeah, that's good. That you're all, you're all at the same level all around. Um, yeah. Everyone looking at each other. I like that. That's beautiful. And to tie in the fasting element of this, I do want to point out that in the early church, we said last week that they would fast twice a week, which is true. Every Christian, supposedly, according to early church writings, every Christian would fast on Wednesdays. Um, yeah, Wednesdays and Fridays. And then at the end of Friday, they would break their fast in a feast that was the beginning of the Sabbath day, Shabbat, mm-hmm. Saturday, where they wouldn't work. And then Sunday, they would work. But after work, they would go to have the love feast with all of their Christian brothers and sisters. So in other words, Wednesday and Friday is a fasting day. Mm -hmm. But then Saturday and Sunday are both feast days. Saturday, you feast because it's the Sabbath. It's the day of rest. It's the day of celebrating God's creation, that he rested um, when he was done with creation, that the people of God are no longer slaves like they were in Egypt and we're not defined by our work. We could go into a theology mm-hmm. of Sabbath more. Um, but that's a feast. You are not to fast on Sabbath. You are to celebrate. You are to enjoy good meals. And then on Sunday, you are to feast because you're celebrating the resurrection of our Lord mm-hmm. and the new creation. So the I love this. The early church viewed seven days in a week the seventh day being Saturday, which was the Sabbath. And then the next day, Sunday, was the day that Jesus rose. And they didn't, in a sense, they didn't think of it as the first day of the next week. Like they were just on a cycle. They thought of it as the eighth day. Like Jesus has come 
to break in a new creation. And so we are to celebrate the coming of the new creation that we have in his resurrection. One thing that I'm thinking about, just just to, we're going to talk on Sabbath. We can talk about it now, maybe even. Sure. Um, but I like the idea of if you have two feast days, Sabbath is something that you like prepare for and you like sit down and, and it's more like a familiar thing, like mm. within your family. Oh, sure. At least in the practice that, that I've chosen. And then Sunday is still this feast, but you like bring in other people to this love wow. feast, which is kind of cool. At least... I don't know if there's like actual church history behind that, but I like the idea of feasting with your family and having those moments together. Mm. Cause like, I don't know, dinner on the table is, it's just special. It is. Um, and it's, it's so special with, you know, the foreigner, the alien, the homeless around you, the orphan. Yeah. And when you bring those people into your midst too, and in your greater community, but I like, there's also that like sacredness and safety in the Sabbath mm. with just your family. Um, I don't know. That's just a thought that is, there's, I can't cite anything that's a beautiful that comes thought. behind that, but it's just a thought that I, I think that's a thought <laughs> of a father that loves his family. And I think that's mm. a gift from God. I don't know if there's anything historic around that. But yeah. I think it's beautiful. We, we were literally talking last night. We've been really trying to be intentional about having a lot of meals around our mm. table. And it's just three of us, my wife and you know, one and a half year old. Yeah. And we're both just like, I love these meals. Like so there's just something about it. And it doesn't take a lot of effort. You don't have to like cook five courses and have all these side dishes. Like we had just a pasta dish that was in one pan and it was great. <laughs> and it was, we just took this moment to stop. And I think there's, yeah. there's something to that. That is, that is feasting. It's not like a party, but it's like choosing to like, yeah. wow, thank you God for this day. And may we commune together during this time, yeah. not only with each other, but with you. And we invite you into this. I mean, I want to use the word communion, but I know it's separate than like the liturgy of yeah. the Eucharist and the bread and the wine. Uh -huh. And we've done that too. But like there's some, that's communion too. That's like the bit, the early church thought of a meal as communion with God and each other. Yeah. That's so, so real. And even in secular research, like you could Google an article and discover that eating a meal with other people is one of the happiest things that humans do for themselves. Like mm -hmm. statistically speaking, yeah. people are happier the more they eat meals with other humans. Mm -hmm. um, so in case you don't believe that all of this feasting is really worth it, like there's, there's scientific data behind the fact that we crave community and not only do we crave community, but we crave it around a table, like almost as if God created us to eat and to enjoy fellowship on purpose. You know. <laughs> well, I think we are created in his, in his image yeah. and he loves fellowship mm -hmm. like so much so that there's three different parts of him that are separate, but the same, like that's like yeah. fellowship in car in not even incarnate, like in fellowship. <laughs> I don't know. Like that's just God <laughs> existing as not alone. Yeah. Yeah. That gets really, <laughs> really brainy real fast. Yeah, when you but, talk about the Trinity, it always mm -hmm. transcends language. It, exactly. Uh, 
There were some statistics that I heard from a John Mark Comer sermon where he said 17% of families eat together in modern America. 17% of families eat regularly together. Mm -hmm. And when they do, about half of those have a TV involved in their meal. And this one also blew my mind. Like about a hundred years ago, the average length of a dinner time was an hour and a half. Today, the average length of a family meal is just 12 minutes. That's crazy. Isn't that crazy? Which speaks to something John Mark Comer is very passionate about and that we could talk about more, just how hurried and Mm -hmm. busy our culture is, how much entertainment has taken over our time that we used to just prioritize each other with. But now instead of communing around a table, we commune uh, with just ourselves and our tablet or our TV and Netflix or our smartphone and pick your social media of choice. Yeah. Um, so I don't want to be super critical and naysayer about all of those totally. things. Cause I know there's good in it. Like I love a great Disney film, uh, <laughs> just like the next guy. But I also want to recognize that our cultural moment and our technological moment, um, might actually provide a lot of hindrances to enjoying celebration and community the way that we were created to absolutely and i mean even on in other studies they show cultures around the world like the italians that like have you know two hour long lunches and five hour long dinners which is like the opposite side of the american way but they're happier people and i i've never been to italy or france or anything but i know that they're meals take a long time and it's like this whole culture shock for American tourists to be like, Oh my gosh, like we're an hour in and we've only had some cheese. Like what's going on here? (laughs) Um, but I love, I love that. And I, I've even like, um, even when you go out to eat sometimes, like it's the whole system is made to just get you in and out as fast as possible. Yeah. And it takes some intentionality to like, I'm just going to order, let's start with our drinks right now. Yeah. And then we'll like order those and then wait. And then like, let's order an appetizer. And we won't order the meal yet. And we'll, you know, it's like there are ways to slow things down. But it always shocks me how fast we're done with dinner, you know? I think that's so evident, like around Thanksgiving, where it's like really one of those days where we actually take time to prep food. Like we might even start prepping the night before, and which was much more common way back in the day. And then we like sit down to eat and it's we're done in half an hour. Right. And you're like, what? Like we just spent all day, like we spent 24 hours on this meal and it took us half an hour to eat it. It's kind of wild. Wow. That's an interesting point. I don't know. That was mm. a little side tangent, but let's slow down and eat. Yeah. And I, I think even if you look at the human body, like what are the things that we need most essentially? We need air. Mm-hmm. If we don't have air for, I don't know how long, a matter of minutes, yeah. we're probably toast. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so breath is something that is related to God in the scriptures. Mm-hmm. Ruach is the Hebrew word for spirit and the word for breath and wind. It's all the same word. Wow. So um, God is connected to that most essential need. He's also mm-hmm. connected to water, which is something all living creatures need. Yeah. Um, he's the fountain of life. The living water is what Jesus gives us access to. Uh, also, what does the human body need? Food. Mm-hmm. Ice cream. <laughs> Ice cream. <laughs> Sour Patch Kids. Is that where you're going with Bring that? Bring it back. Yeah. Bring it back to Sour Patch Kids. <laughs> no, you're making good points. Go on. Do you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like the human body needs food. 
God mm-hmm. created us to sit down and partake of something that is like it's pleasurable to our mouths and our stomachs. Our whole body enjoys the process of consuming yummy food. Yeah, and that's that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Like God created that. Totally. And not only is that a good thing, but also the time where we get to stop work, like the lunch break in the nine to five hour day is a gift from God because mm-hmm. humans need to eat a lunch in the middle of the day. Like it's woven into the very fabric of our being exactly. that we need to stop and eat. Um, and I know that kind of goes into the face of fasting, which we could talk about, but like being hungry is another thing that we yeah. can talk about, but also our bodies need rest and sleep. And then we could talk about the spiritual discipline of Sabbath. It's like we need to create these disciplines in order to prioritize the things that are just essential to our well-being, like yeah. community and consumption of yummy foods. Mm-hmm. And yeah, out of a place of what's best for us and not a have-to legalism kind of a thing. Amen. Yeah, that's a good clarification. Hmm. Where do you uh, think we should go next? Well, I'd like to just point out that life is really hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And sometimes life feels like it is only hard. Hmm. I don't know if any of our listeners in the podcast feel like that today even. Um, but sometimes life feels so challenging that it's it's like almost unbearable. Um, Jesus tells us in John chapter 16 that in this world, in this life, we will have suffering. It's mm-hmm. like Jesus is guaranteeing that we're yeah. going to suffer in some degree. But he says, take heart for I have overcome this world. And what Jesus is telling us is, Hey, you can expect life to be hard, but also please choose hope Mm -hmm. in the midst of that difficulty because that difficulty isn't the final word. It doesn't have the final say cancer doesn't have the final say, Mm -hmm. you know, yeah. Uh, mental health like struggles with mental health. That doesn't have the final say Jesus and his, redemption of all of creation is what has the final say. And so I think part of the celebration discipline is to remind us of that, that even when life is really excruciating, we're invited to choose celebration as a discipline to interrupt the pain and to remember the hope that we have in Jesus. Wow. That's so well said. I really like that. And isn't that a powerful gift Mm -hmm. from the disciplines? So here's a Bible verse. The joy of the Lord is our strength. I'm assuming that most of us have heard that verse at some point. If you've been to Hobby Lobby, you've definitely seen that verse. (laughs) That's good. Yeah, completely misquoted on a mason jar, but that's fine. (laughs) And in case you're listening to this and you don't know, I just want you in your mind to guess where where does that verse come from? The joy of the Lord is our strength. I mean, I'd have to think like Psalms or one of the mm-hmm. happier parts of Paul's letters or something like that. Totally. You know? Yeah, maybe Jesus is telling people that when he oh, says yeah. like, rejoice. Or Paul, yeah, great guesses. Um, it's it's in Nehemiah. Gesundheit. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Nehemiah is a book of the Bible that we don't read all that often. <laughs> mm-hmm, for sure. Uh, it's also the name of a person. Um, he was a governor in the land just after the Israelites came back into the promised land from exile. Uh, Ezra and Nehemiah are two significant figures here. 
in case you haven't read these stories, I'll just kind of briefly tell you that Israel was conquered by a foreign nation called Babylon because they hadn't been following God and they had gone really wicked. Their life looked rough. Yeah. Generations pass in exile, 70 years. And then God starts to allow for Israelites to go back to the promised land through the Persian emperor, um, like giving them permission. And so Ezra and Nehemiah go back to the promised land and they discover the law of Moses and they start to read the law of Moses to the congregation of people, all of the Israelites that are back in the promised land now. It's like, hey, we're going to restore the kingdom of Israel. This is good news. And part of that is reading God's law. Wow. And in the midst of the reading, when Ezra is reading, the Israelites are weeping. They're deeply grieved. There's this repentant heart that they're experiencing. There's this grief like, oh my goodness, we have been so wayward. We have mm. forsaken our God so flagrantly um, that they're, they're grieved. And yet, what is Ezra and Nehemiah's response? Um, I'll just read it from Nehemiah chapter 8. Please do. I've been doing a lot of talking, actually. No. Oh, I shall read Will it. you read yeah. it? No, totally. Starting at verse 9 of chapter 8. <clears throat> Absolutely. Nehemiah 8, 9 through 12. <laughs> And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra, the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept as they heard the words from the law. Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink sweet wine, and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. For this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites calmed all the people saying, be quiet for this day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink and to send portions and to make great rejoicing because they had understood the words that were declared to them. Mm. Wow. So where we get that wonderful Hobby Lobby line, the joy of the Lord is our strength (laughs) is in the midst of like a really grieved time. Yeah. And they say, Hey, rejoice. Like God is in our midst. We should celebrate. They're choosing to celebrate and they're choosing joy. And also they're choosing to be generous and give to the people that don't have enough. If you noticed in that verse. Um, so I want to flush this out to show mm-hmm. that like sometimes joy is a choice more than it is just a feeling. Absolutely. And that, that verse that this, our strength actually comes through the joy of the Lord um, is planted in one of those moments. So if in your life you listen or feel like that is you now or could be you soon or has been you in the past, whatever, um, I just invite you to pray about what, what it might look like to choose celebration and not in such a way that you are inauthentic to the things that you're really feeling. It's so important to actually process grief. Um, I'm not saying to bottle up grief, yeah. um, but there is a time to grieve and there's a time to celebrate. And I think, I think the, my big takeaway from this is to grieve without hope mm-hmm. is unhealthy. Wow. Sure. And this like helps kind of reset that in your, in your thought process, in your heart, mm-hmm. in your spirit. Cause if I, 
am, you know, I could be worried about a lot of things. I mean, today I've been worried about some heavy things. Yeah. Um, and if I just sit in that worry or fear or discontent or all these things without taking a moment to step back and like look at the promises of God and the hope that we have in Christ and new creation and, and the joy that um, Jesus operated out of and we are to also operate out of that kind of brings us out of like a dark pit that we could kind of find ourselves in. Um, and not that we're intentionally going to this dark pit, but I think there is danger in, in worrying in, in that sorrow without Christ. Cause then there's no light wow. and we have to have that light somewhere. And so like, wow. you may be sad and burdened by all that life could bring, you know? And it's not to just completely forget those things, but in the midst of that, um, like God, like David says, he like prepares a table in the presence of my enemies. Amen. Whoa. That, that was, was great. That was the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> I like, did, we did not have that connection prepared. So that, that was like, wow, that was God. Thank you. Whoa. It's like, it's like God invites us to not be anxious, but to cast our cares upon him because he cares for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To allow his rod and staff to comfort us, though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I'm glad you brought that psalm in. Mm -hmm. That was really good. Um, Carl Barth is one of my favorite theologians. I think this is the second time I've brought him up in the Deep Waters podcast, actually, and hopefully only the second of many. <laughs> but um, he is talking about Philippians at one point and how much Paul is talking about how to rejoice, rejoice. And Karl Barth says that this joy is a defiant nevertheless. And what Karl Barth means by that is like, even though Paul is in prison, nevertheless, he will choose joy. Mm -hmm. Maybe uh, the Philippians are experiencing severe persecution, which they likely were. Nevertheless, rejoice. They have hope in the person of Jesus. So choosing joy is it's, it's a defiant act. It's almost a rebellious act against the darkness of the world. Yes. And that feels like em empowering Yeah. to recognize, wow, I can choose joy and I can wield it um, like a weapon against the darkness that comes against me. I love mm. that. And even, I mean, we kind of touched on these kinds of studies sometimes, but I mean, I think it's common knowledge now that even in the scientific world, gratitude can yeah. change someone's like physical well-being and their mental health like so much. And I think how, how much more so would that be powerful with the Holy Spirit? Wow. And like partnering with the way of Jesus. That's my belief, at least. And I think we all share that belief too. So it's like this joy is it's us kind of staking the ground. Like I'm not going to go past this line of, of darkness, mm -hmm. like towards darkness. And like, this is like, I can, I can be experiencing all the tragedy that life may bring, but I'm still holding on to this, this light that we are given in, in Christ. Amen. motivational Christian speaker named Catherine Wolf, who 
had a, a really scary brain aneurysm from a vascular mass inside of her brain called an AVM that burst. Um, mm. And she almost died, but praise the Lord, she didn't. Um, however, she just came out of that experience partially paralyzed. Um, and, you know, now a person with physical disabilities. And a quote from her about this very thing is, is as follows. Celebration can be an act of worship and an act of hope and perhaps in a way an act of joyful rebellion against fear. So good. Uh, coming from the lips of a woman who would really know what fear and darkness and all of that look like. Um, she's choosing celebration. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I just hope that these words are ones that inspire us to choose celebration and to recognize that celebration is something that is even woven into our calendar when God ordains a day to be set aside as a Sabbath rest, a feast day, or when we come together on Sundays to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Um, and not to say that you have to celebrate Sabbath on Saturday. I know most Christians celebrate it on Sunday, if mm -hmm. at all. Yeah. But um, I feel like just to share, like mm -hmm. um, on a small scale, just a testimony, kind of like I was talking about before mm -hmm. this podcast, I was in like this like little bit of a pit yeah. and kind of sharing some things I'm going through with Benji. And I was like really feeling this like weighty sadness and kind of, despair that started to come over me to the point where I'm like, well, maybe we should reschedule the podcast and I might just go home and lie down and watch star Wars. And <laughs> like, I just like, I just kind of want to disconnect. And I was like, yeah. what is happening? Wow. And we, Benji was like, let's pray. And we prayed into joy and peace and wisdom and all of it. Like all the things that Christ promises us and we came back and had a dance party and chose celebration <laughs> and it completely changed the day for me. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, how often have I gone through my day and maybe gotten into those despair pits Wow. and not chosen like joy mm -hmm. um, and have it like kind of hijack my day. Wow. Just a personal thing about me is like, I've definitely had that happen <laughs> yeah. a lot. <laughs> and I don't want that to happen. Yeah, neither do I. Yeah, not to, yeah, not to say we can't sit in those emotions because it's like that's where healing comes. But right to to let it take overtake us is not I don't think what Christ wants us to do. Amen. I also want to say as a little disclaimer here that uh, on my Gallup Strengths Finders profile, <laughs> positivity is my number one gift, <laughs> my number one strength. Yeah. So uh, I might be talking about these things from a place of privilege in my mental chemistry, like my, mm -hmm. my brain, the way that it's balanced with hormones and whatever else um, happens to trend towards positivity. And that might make all of these words sound like, well, easy for you to say, Benji. Mm -hmm. And that could be true that you listening could be someone who struggles with some kind of chemical imbalance in your brain or something else like a, that you call a mental health issue. And yeah. I just want to like call that out and say, this is, this can be really hard. And I, I don't even know how hard it can be for so many. Um, and yet I have faith and trust that our Lord is the Lord of peace and joy and can bring quiet waters in the midst of a storm. And 
yeah, I just, I pray that over anyone who resonates with that, even listening to this now. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, I think we have to hold tight to what is true. And for some, and I don't want compar- comparison to like come into this either in any form, whether it's mm-hmm. like what feasting or Sabbath looks like mm-hmm. for Benji and I, or someone else, you know, or John Mark Comer, if you've read his books, right? it's, and even like, even what positivity looks like. Mm-hmm. Don't compare the highs that Benji might experience. Like maybe choosing joy just looks like, you know, getting up and showering and going, <laughs> going to yeah. work. And like, that's like the biggest win. And like, that is huge. Yeah. Um, I like, I love that you said that that's because cool. it, yeah, mm-hmm. we are all different and have gone through so many things. Um, and that's it's good. just going to look different. So don't, no need to compare. Hmm. And we just want to do life with you. Amen. We do. Yeah. It's like if yeah, if you're in my house church, I'd say yes. <laughs> like come, come over. Yeah, come to the table. Like well, it's like well, let me make yeah, you tortellini. Yeah, my one hundred percent. I love that's so good. Yeah, our church is not for the happy go lucky or the ones that are the most optimistic. It's for everyone. Right. No matter what you've walked mm-hmm. through, no matter what you're going through. Amen. And I think maybe for those of us that have positivity, hopefully we can like help strengthen those who are struggling. Mm-hmm. Just like I have been strengthened by people when I've been in really difficult seasons. Like totally. you, Jace. Mm-hmm. Uh, not oh, to go into my personal you. testimonies, but I've had really hard days in my life mm-hmm. in the last year. And Jace, you've been an incredible, oh. like saving grace of joy and hope <laughs> that I've like held on to you like an anchor. So <laughs> I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was really sweet. <laughs> That's true. Um, wow. So yeah, maybe if you find yourself in that place, find people that can help uplift you and encourage you just like is the heart of this podcast. We want to be together in community, in fellowship, learning how to celebrate, which if I can pivot there, yeah, um, <clears throat> it's an, a coincidence that Jesus dines with people a lot he has community. You say it's not a coincidence or is a coincidence? Oh, it's not a coincidence. It's not a coincidence. I think it's because Jesus knows how to live life better than anyone else. Amen. Since he created it, he ought to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hope so. <laughs> he, he, we're told about meals that he has a lot. I feel like those little details are ones that you might skim over. Totally. I have definitely skimmed over oh, when yeah. I'm reading the gospels. I'm like, okay, Jesus, like, I understand you're eating at somebody's house, but just let me get to the parable. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah. But that's so good. If I actually highlighted or counted up how many times Jesus is just caught at a meal, like with Zacchaeus, he goes up to Zacchaeus and he says, I'm going to eat at your house tonight. Let's have dinner. <laughs> yeah, or when he calls Levi, AKA Matthew, the tax collector, he goes and has a meal. We assume at Matthew's house. And then all these Pharisees come up and say, Hey, why is your rabbi dining with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus responds and he's like, I came for the sick, not the healthy, mm-hmm. the sinner, yeah. not the righteous. And lo and behold, like we're all, we're all the sinner that yeah. needs Jesus to dine with us. And Jesus was accused as a glutton and a drunkard because of how much he ate and celebrated with people. Not that he was a glutton or a drunkard. Yes, that's key. Very key. 
he was not, but his enemies accused him of that because of, I think, how often he celebrated with people. Yeah, and just the probably the boxes that they weren't expecting this this rabbi to even fit in, you know? Yeah. It's like, right. oh, rabbis hang out with rabbis, you know? Like, Pharisees hang out with Pharisees. Like, right. why would you go and hang out with the common man? Like, what are you mm. going to talk about? <laughs> like, <laughs> what are they even, like, you want to talk about fishing? Yeah. Like, when we could just talk about the Torah all day? <laughs> <laughs> that's good that sounds lame <laughs> oh and then jesus has some parables about a banquet and i i don't know felt prompted maybe from the holy spirit maybe just from my brain to bring up the one where the parable um it, it shows someone is calling a bunch of people into his banquet a ton of people are invited and they don't come they're busy Mm -hmm. They have these different excuses like, oh, I just got married or like, oh, work, you know, it's, I'm totally. just too distracted. <laughs> yeah. um, and then the host sends out his servant and he says, well, just go collect. Oh, what are the words? He says, bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. <laughs> the host says, bring out all the bring in to hear all the outcasts of your society, mm. all the ones who are downtrodden and marginalized. Let them eat at the banquet because the the busy, I don't know, middle class or wealthy people are, are they're, they're too hurried to take time to celebrate with me. Um, I just such a good passage. I want that passage to convict me um, because I think sometimes I make excuses to not dine and fellowship with other believers. And th this passage isn't just about like the evening meal with other Christians, you know, it's about choosing Jesus um, in the day to day such that, you know, we're choosing his kingdom and his salvation ultimately. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but I think there's also a simple point to be made about like, am I going to choose Jesus tonight when I go to the dinner table and I sit down with a meal and somebody else like, or even are you going to choose Jesus when you go to rest and unwind? Like, are you going to choose something that's life-giving, um, like either a meal or maybe something simpler like a book? But I think we've kind of been tricked sometimes to say that, like, scrolling Instagram is life-giving yeah. when really it's just like a dopamine endorphin rush or whatever. I'm not sure right. which chemical it is, but it's, yeah. like, designed to Dor just make dope. Yeah, to designed to make your brain go like, ooh, I love this, when it's really not something that we naturally want or need as, as humans. Yeah. I kind of jumped, jumped ahead of the horse there. No, I'm you, glad you did. Were you, I, did I interrupt you? Um, no, no, oh. I think I just wanted to pull out those, the point that Jesus's life looked like celebrating with people mm -hmm. such that he wove it into his parables. Um, and then I was, if maybe to bring it back a little bit, yeah. uh, in one of the more famous parables of the, the loving father with the two sons, um, the one that goes prodigal comes home and he asks his father, begs his father, if he could just be a servant in his father's house. And what does his father do? Throws him a huge party. <laughs> amen. Yeah. Yes. And amen. Yeah. He throws him a huge party, which is why as Christians today, one of my favorite things that we do around baptism is go crazy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, totally. like we clap and yell and celebrate. Mm -hmm. And part of me also wants there to be like birthday cake and balloons and loud oh, yeah. music and dancing <laughs> because 
the baptism is it's such a celebration like a prodigal has come home and the fattened calf is being slaughtered for the sake of celebrating tonight and well, I just said that and I'm a vegetarian. So it's true. <laughs> totally. Yeah. <laughs> like, or like a really good bell pepper. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe some like sweet potatoes and a zucchini. There you go. Oh no. <laughs> so fun. Uh, so I just, I wanted to point those things out because, um, yeah, celebration language is woven into Jesus's parables, woven into his lifestyle all over the place. And we shouldn't neglect that. But um, to bring us back to where you were just bringing us, Jace, I'm curious if you could help us brainstorm what practically this celebration and feasting might look like in our yeah, day-to-day lives. For sure. You mentioned like not just sitting on social media. I think that's a really good example. I mean, I, I, and I've been, I am duped by this all the time. Like I was just talking about, like, I just wanted to go home and like scroll on YouTube. Like that's like my Oh, that's my vice. I love yeah. YouTube so much, <laughs> but it quickly becomes something that's not so fruitful when I could be doing something that's much more, if I'm honest, life giving. Like we are, we have been, um, I don't know. I feel like at least I have been duped by a lot of like what the culture has brought out as mm-hmm. says like, this is like entertainment, which is like supposed to be celebration, but it really is just consumption. Um, and I think there's something in the Bible that it's, it makes a point to say that it's not just consumption. It talks a lot about even the preparation and the creation Mm. as even we look at the early church, it's not just eating the meal, but it's standing up and sharing what the Lord's doing in your life. And so it's, I want celebration in your life to not just look like, um, yeah, consumption of, of something that may be good, but also like create something like hmm. don't just door dash it like make it with your family oh. too um and again without legalism right but that i mean that's not even like that wasn't even in my notes but that's kind of where my mind went yeah. of i think we are made to create okay. and so i think if we're made to create like in the image of god that's if we do that well it should be life-giving that's so and crazy. I just want to encourage you guys to not consume in the name of celebration, but to create in the name of celebration. And one of ways mm. is to create time for rest. And we touched on Sabbath a little bit, but this is part of feasting and celebrating is to spend time just resting in what you've done this week and not wow. um, striving any longer, but just to enjoy um and does that is that in conflict with what I was just saying about consumption? Because isn't are we supposed to like just like <laughs> consume like what we have like gathered throughout the week a little bit? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe in words it feels in conflict, but it's not because I think what you were saying before is um, w- when you're consuming, uh, say social media is our scapegoat right now. Yeah. Um, if you're consuming TikTok passively, that's something that's happening to you. Yes. Yeah. Um, and even on an, on a platform that's designed to pump up your dopamine so that your attention gets glued to it longer so that they can sell your attention for ad space. Yeah. Um, that probably isn't going to be life giving in the way that enjoying a meal which is an active engagement 
um, might bring to you. That's so a good clarification. Like one is passive, one is active. And it's even yeah. consuming what you have created through the week. Yes. That's like, that's, mm. that's, I guess the difference between Sabbath and Instagram. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I'm, and Sabbath isn't just the only way, um, to celebrate. I think, right. I mean, on a practical level, get involved with a house church. Amen. Like if you're not in one, like join one and mm -hmm. celebrate there. Even if you're not around a meal, you're going to be like gleaning off of each other what the Lord is doing in a in an intimate relational way, which we are all wired to need. Um, yeah. And with that, if, yeah, go ahead. I would even encourage you, maybe invite some of the people from your house church over to your house for a meal. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And super like, practical. Super practical, simple. I think any of us could do it, even if you don't have a house. Maybe invite yourself over to their house. <laughs> Jesus did it. Jesus did yeah. it. He's like, yo, Zacchaeus, I'm eating at your place tonight. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't think he said yo, but yeah. I like to imagine he did. Probably. I'm a youth homie. pastor. Yeah. Um, yeah. And <laughs> homie. I think one of, uh, one of the things I observe about God is that he enjoys his creation. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see that all through Genesis one, you know, he, totally. God looked at it and saw that it was good is mm -hmm. repeated seven yeah. times, um, which is a holistic way to say God really enjoyed all of it and saw that it was wonderful. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking of someone who cooks a delicious meal and then sits down and takes a bite and like rolls their eyes back and just, mm, you know, yeah. like really enjoys totally the creation of their hands. Or I don't know why this picture is coming to my mind, but Imagine that someone is building a canoe. Oh yeah, and they spend months like w making the boards wet such that they can bend them, and then bonding them together, and then they sand it and they stain it. And hours go into this canoe. What a shame would it be if that canoe just sat in your garage for the rest of its life? Totally. Yeah. Instead, take it to the lake and sit in it and enjoy the work of your hand in the function that you created it for. Absolutely. Like that, there's something there that taps into um, like the creative glory of God, I think. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. I think that's so good. And I think like we touched on earlier, a way to engage with celebration is to slow down. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that's a big part mm -hmm. of like, you can't be hurried and celebrate fully mm -hmm. or feast fully. Um, I think that's what we could maybe claim is like gluttony sometimes, you yeah. know, if we're just going to like starve our, like shove our face full of food right. just to like get nutrition and get out of there. <laughs> it it reminded me of dancing to Claire night a couple of weeks ago. I was hungry. It mm -hmm. was a Tuesday. And for some reason I was thinking, oh, I didn't eat dinner and I'm about to go to dance and declare and they don't, they're not going to have food at dance and declare. So I just had barely enough time to swing through Taco Bell and grab two of the cheapest bean and rice burritos yeah. and just scarfed them. <laughs> Immediately started feeling them kicking my stomach. Like, what did you just do yeah. to me? <laughs> totally. <laughs> and it was a means to an end. And then I walked in and I saw all this delicious food like, and I was oh. like, oh, what have I done? <laughs> That is so funny. I could have enjoyed this food in communion and fellowship with mm -hmm. all of these people, but instead I was just like trying to get a transaction. And anyway, uh, I, not that Taco Bell's bad or that the bean oh, and yeah. rice burrito isn't something I'll eat again because it probably is, but <laughs> I hope that I'll enjoy it more next time rather than just mm -hmm. rush my way through it. <laughs> and I think a practical way of just even getting the spirit of this into your life is to practice gratitude. Um, mm. Like we kind of talked about, like wake up, and 
write 20 things that you're thankful for or right before you fall asleep, write 20 things that you're thankful for. Or when you are getting a little flustered and kind of mad at the person driving in front of you on your way home, like stop and just practice gratitude. And like it brings the spirit of celebration um, into your car or your life or your house in just like a little moment. And I think that's, Hmm. yeah, that's key to like keep bringing that with us throughout our life and not just Hmm. um, pigeonholing it into two days a week or into a moment or one twice a month house church meeting or whatever that looks like to like bring that with us throughout our lives. Yeah. So I think we can maybe zip through some practicals just as we close this conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, Gratitude is an incredible thing to do in a moment of celebration. Yeah. Um, we mentioned singing and dancing. Yeah. Maybe that's, that's not for everyone, but for me, that's totally up there. It's biblical too. And it's biblical. Mm-hmm. Like turning on a song that you love and jamming out is a definitely cause for celebration for <laughs> me. <laughs> totally. Totally. What else? We've mentioned delicious meals. I think laughing together. Yeah. Like, I mean, how like, storytelling and or even sharing testimonies or just like talking about your week and laughing at the funny bits, crying at the sad bits. Like there's something to that that is so human and so spiritual at the same time. Like like throughout history, that is what we have gathered around fire and table and uh, I don't know, social media groups. Now it's like, there's just throughout history. Like we're just, we're drawn together to just celebrate life in storytelling and having a good time and laughing together. So I'm like, that's a great way to, I don't know, practice celebration as well. Wow. I'm thinking one of my favorite things when I get a group of friends together is to play a game. (laughs) Yes. Code names is one of my favorites. I love code names. Isn't it great? Mm -hmm. Or a good, a good card game. My ultimate favorite is spades, but you need exactly four people. So that can be difficult. Mm -hmm. But whether it's, I don't know, a board game or charades or or like a sport. Like you're shooting hoops. Totally. You're playing ultimate frisbee. If you know me, you know I love that. Um, I think all of those things can be life-giving um, ways to engage in fellowship. And it's it's like a way to celebrate the good things that God has given us. Like, yeah. And part of why I intentionally wanted to light candles in the podcast room today. Because I'm like, hmm, I want to in my senses, enjoy the good things Hmm. while we're talking about feasting. Totally. Which reminds me of this. um, This is a Tim Keller quote about Sabbath. He says, because the world is so full of ugly things on Sabbath, it is imperative that we feed the heart with beauty. Mm, That's so good. Isn't that nice? I love that. And it's, that's so true. It's like life isn't easy. We're not promised that life is going to be easy. Mm -hmm. And, there's times where we have to grieve or repent and we have to fast. Like Mm -hmm. even as a discipline regularly, it's like, it's a a reality check of, you know, this is hard and we need God, but then also God is so good and look how much he's blessed us with and the, the promise of new creation and the, the, all that he has given us to celebrate. Like Mm. it's two sides of the same coin. Amen. Like one of my favorite things that I don't do enough is go longboarding. (laughs) There's something about gliding 
on a big skateboard called a longboard in case you don't know what that is on the Boise Greenbelt and just like weaving back and forth. I know. I sing to myself often while I'm doing that. There's something about that that makes me feel the delight of God. As silly as that sounds. No, absolutely. Like, I don't know if everyone knows this. Maybe you do. Um, the Garden of Eden. Eden is the Hebrew word for delight. Hmm. God created us to exist in the Garden of Delight. And delight in his creation. And delight in his presence in his creation to like sip on an incredible cup of tea and to longboard or listen to great music or Mm -hmm. to, I don't know, to wear a really comfortable shirt that was made by a wonderful company that you would like to support. There's something about that that is actually tapping into the stuff of the kingdom of God, I swear. Yeah, totally. Yeah, Yeah, there's something eternal about those things, Hmm. even on this side of already, not yet. Um, yeah, I love that. And for me, it's walks on the green belt because if I wrote a green, uh, if I wrote a longboard, I would surely die. <laughs> so if you can't ride a skateboard, go take a walk by the river. <laughs> the walk works too. Yeah. Go take a walk in the foothills. Go, go stroll through downtown or the village and see what humans can do with imagination and ingenuity yeah. and That's engineering. Good. Like those are all really good things too. Yeah. Um, so yeah, be creative. Or just go to Disneyland. Yes, 100%. <laughs> that is where celebration is the strongest. All right. Surely. That's it. Yeah. Everybody in the church, our next discipline after this 21-day feast is go Dis- to Disneyland, Disneyland together. <laughs> yes. You won't regret um, it. You won't regret it. Oh, I think that's a really fun place to end. Yeah. It's the happiest place to end, technically. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I don't know. Do you have any last thoughts for us, Jace? Mm. Not really. I feel like I'm like, yeah. I wish I had something profound I put to you say. On the spot. But I, I, I just want to encourage you to try it out. Yeah. Like, you don't have to, you don't have to change your whole schedule. You don't have to commit to a full 24 hour Sabbath every week. Um, but just practice gratitude or go mm-hmm. on a walk and, or there's look up a list of ways to connect to God. There's like nine in church history, some tradition Yeah. and <laughs> practice those. If it's studying, study the scriptures yeah. and enjoy God through um, your mind. If it's cooking, cook, cook food. If yeah. it's, you know, gathering, gathering your family around and playing uh, Mario Kart, even though, you know, video games are the death of the world, but like <laughs> in moderation, they're gonna, it's still good. Like everything. It still brings laughter. It still and joy. brings laughter and joy and you're yeah. still being active. You know, yeah. I'm like, not to say any screen time is terrible. Like watch a movie together, yeah. like have a shared experience. Mm-hmm. Like that's my biggest love language. I love shared experiences. <laughs> go to top golf, go to mini golf, go yeah. somewhere. Amen. Yeah. Go to a restaurant, <laughs> go to a park free, yes. free 99 and public parks, <laughs> free 99. And I think one thing that is important is not just to go to the park. I mean, just going to the park is good too, but go to the park with God. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. Invite him into that, whatever it looks like. The little moments with God. The, the little moments. Like, <clears throat> like when I longboard, I laugh and say, thank you, Jesus, for the wind in my hair yeah. or whatever. You know, like I, I am sometimes aware when I tap into those really joyful moments that Jesus is right with me. 
Hmm. Say you're a really good golfer. I'm not, but you're a really good golfer and you go to top golf and you just hit an incredible shot and it goes over the net or something. I don't know. (laughs) You could just dance praise to the Lord that you hit that shot. And if your heart is open to God while you're golfing, then my, oh my, you're aware of his presence with you, which is always there. That's so good. Hmm. Also, if you need um, some music recommendations, we jammed out to Reliant K before this. Yes. And I mean, not only are they followers of Christ, but their music is just transcendental. (laughs) I don't know the word. I love their music. And they, a lot of songs you can really rock out to. So they just get me there, Mm -hmm. you know, right where I want to be. This podcast was sponsored by Reliant K. (laughs) Go to ReliantK.com for 20% off of Reliant K. (laughs) And if you don't know who they are, then you're welcome. Yeah. Check them out. Totally. (laughs) Wow. Well, thanks everybody for joining us for this week's podcast. This concludes our mini series on feasting and fasting. Mm Mm-hmm. And next week we'll go into something else. Yeah. Per the Holy Spirit's guidance. Exactly. Yeah. We're so thankful that you joined us and we hope that this has been beneficial to you. We'd love to hear how this podcast is affecting you. We've heard some things in person. Um, but if you want to email us at deepwaters at riverhouse ministries.com, we'd love to hear from you Hear yeah. like little testimonies of maybe what these podcasts have meant to you. And, and I mean, we might share that with others. We might not, But like, (laughs) and if you have ideas of what you want to get into on the podcast, please send them our way. Like we want to just engage with you, um, outside of this one-sided relationship. Right. Even though you've all gotten to know us so well, (laughs) we would love to get to know you guys a little bit more too. That's right. And, uh, if you are new to the river house community, we meet Sundays, Sunday evenings at 4 PM at the vineyard Boise in garden city. Mm-hmm. Kind of a weird thing there, Boise Garden City, but that's fine. Yeah, that's honestly, it's a gray area, but it'll <laughs> always live gray. <laughs> <laughs> and we'd love to see you. And yeah. also, I mean, we're both relatively public people at Riverhouse. So if you come see, if you see us, say hi. Please come oh, no, say hi. That'd be so much fun. I would fun. love to say hi. Mm-hmm. That's great. Um, and if you're listening to this sometime in the far future, some of those details might not be true, but. That's true. Uh, but I'll still website. be, I'll still be Jason. He'll still be Benji. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's not going away. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So thanks again. We'll see you next week or you'll hear us next week. Maybe. This has been a great outro. Yeah. I, it's clumsy. <laughs> Maybe we need to work on our outro skills. I like it. It's real. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Enjoy that feast that you're going to go have. Yeah. Go have some bread and break it. Yes. Break that bread. <laughs> In Jesus name. Oh, amen. Bye, guys. I love it. That was great. <laughs> that was great. <laughs>